Welcome to another episode of Blood, Sweat and Fears, the ultimate podcast for athletes, Olympians and sports people talking about the challenges of elite sport, both whilst participating and beyond. I'm Mark Clement, alongside me, Scott Ward, one of four professional footballing brothers and a man who spent more than a decade working on the content that now makes up EY's personal performance program, Building a Better Working World. And indeed, this podcast and our special guest on this edition of Blood, Sweat and Fears is quite simply the most decorated player in English football history. In totally collected 34 trophies, including 13 Premier League titles, only Liverpool and Manchester United have one more, four FA Cups, three League Cups and two Champions Leagues, including 1999's historic treble. He scored 168 goals in 963 club appearances for Manchester United and including his spells as player, coach, assistant manager and caretaker manager, his time at Old Trafford spanned 29 years. We are delighted to be with Ryan Giggs and at his bar and restaurant on the outskirts of Manchester. Oh, well, at what point did you make a conscious decision to get involved in things outside football? Yeah, afternoon. Um, I, I think towards the end of, or what you think is going to be the end of your <laughs> career, um, which is usually early 30s, mid 30s. I started, um, I shared an apartment block with Gary Neville. So very often we would go to training, go to games together and just start talking about what we're going to do after. So that included um, our coaching badges, and also things outside the game. So it was me and Gary, really, who started that. This particular restaurant is just, I'm doing it with two friends from school. So that was separate from Gary. But yeah, early 30s, mid 30s, when I'm thinking, yeah, maybe I've got one or two years left, of course. I went on to play until I was 40. So, um, <laughs> but no, I was preparing for life after football, early 30s. Yeah. And life after sharing uh, our. And life after living in an apartment quite close to Gary <laughs> Neville as well. I would. Yeah, I was the other side. I was okay. I was far <laughs> enough away. You see, this is music to your ears, isn't it? There's actually some thought gone into this. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not typical, is it? If we're being honest, and clearly, I think when you're in an environment that Ryan and Gary were in, it's quite elite in terms of what opportunities may arise or not. But at the same time, you still have to have the personal commitment to it. And you know, I think obviously we had one of your colleagues, Tony Strudwick. Colleagues works for you. Um, say more recently that now personal development and self-awareness is in line with your physical development. So I think the sooner we can install that to players, you know, nowadays, if I was speaking to somebody early 30s, for me, it's probably a little bit too late to start thinking about it. And can we infiltrate that as part of you in, uh, joining the, the elite environment, the professional environment, so that, you know, irrespective, if you have a career like Ryan and you play till you're 40, or like myself, we have to retire at 24, 25, you're ready for the what's next and you've got a good mindset around that as well. Did you have holistic care as you were coming through? I mean, who was helping you sort of manage your you know, physicality? Who was helping you manage your emotional state? I mean, I realise that's a big question because it spanned all those years. But um, yeah. yeah, I think it was a bit old school where you more or less looked after yourself and mm. you just got to know your body um, as, you, as you got older, really. Um, yeah, I think it's something that has improved over the years. Um, you know, if I was starting out now, I'd be so much better now than when wow. um, than when I did start. So, yeah, you, the cl the clubs try and help, and obviously the PFA are brilliant, and um, the LMA after that. Once you go into your coaching, they're great, but obviously, I, I think a lot more work can be done just in case your career is cut short through injury or for some other reasons. Um, 
Yeah, I, I think it is really important that players... Because I remember when I was 19, 20 and taking the mick out of Brucey and Robbo for being old. And they used to... <laughs> yeah. they, they, no, they used to say to me, don't worry, you'll be our age pretty soon. And it does come around quickly. So does you it? have to start preparing as early as you can. And of course, getting that balance right where you know, you're in a job where you have to perform and you have to give that 100%, but also with one eye on the future. Because it'll soon come around. Yeah, but do, uh, and does it does it tick away on you? Are you kind of aware of it? Once you start getting past 25, 26, do you start to think, oh, I wonder if I've, you know, how long is it going to be before my legs go? I mean, obviously nobody could have anticipated, you know, 153 or whatever you were, but does it, is, it, is it there? Is it a little t- ticking time bomb? I wonder how long I've got at my peak. Yeah, I think with footballers, it's once you start getting to that 30 uh, mark, um, it starts getting quicker. Um, and you know, you, uh, yeah, you have to start thinking about what you, you're going to be doing afterwards. Whereas 18, 19, you think it's a million miles away it's interesting and it'll well, never come. Cause when, when Ryan was playing, you know, until sort of five or six years ago where everything has evolved, when you get to 30, it used to be a one year contract from there, there on in, yeah. you know, and, and so when you got to 30, that would be it. You get your one year revolving contract and you'd open for another one. And now, obviously, as we've already mentioned, there's been the change in nutrition and the sort of training now that we offer players, which has created huge longevity beyond what everybody thought, really, when when we were younger. Um, but it's, it's funny because I think at the elite level, you still get, so if you're talking about premiership level, you'll get lads that will turn 30 and still get those big contracts because they're worth it. Whereas the lower leagues now, they are still getting the one or two years when you get to that age. And my younger brother, Elliot, is finding that. You know, he's had a good career. Um, but he still hasn't got a club. He's played in the Premier League, but he can't get a club. Or people want you to play for free. Or come and train and see how you are. You know, the game's changed a lot. And so I think that's that's changed the expectation of players and also the the uh, appetite to develop themselves during their career because they just they're not sure what's gonna happen next. You were uh, you, you I mean you you never at any point early doors I guess your head is just full of the fact you're playing for Manchester United it's just head down concentrating all the time on what's in front of you yeah um, because obviously you're playing for a huge club Um, so you're just concentrating on training doing your best getting in the team staying in the team then trying to improve as a player that is all you're concentrating everything else is just going home chilling out resting that was a big part of of my longevity I think you know I would go home and rest and make sure that I did get my rest that I wasn't on my feet all day so yeah it was all about football and just making sure that you become the best player you can because you did have this incredible career and because you made it look so seamless I I don't think I realized you've done interviews before when you've talked about the the sort of stress levels at the peak of your career I mean I've I've picked up phrases here like uh, never really enjoyed games Feelings of worthlessness, the uncertainty of the day that lay ahead. I, I wouldn't associate that with you. I mean, were you bottling that up at the time? You've only sort of talked about that afterwards? Was there somebody you could talk to about those things? Um, no, I mean, I'm quite, I'm an individual who sort of keeps everything in, which, yeah, it's just the way I am. Maybe not the best thing. Um, but yeah, of course, when... <laughs> The highs are huge and so are the lows. The, the lows are massive and they last longer. You know, disappointment lasts longer than winning a trophy or winning a game. Mm. A defeat lasts longer. So, um, 
Yeah, you used to sort of, you know, if you got beat off City or Liverpool, you know, it is literally going home and shutting the curtains for not watching the telly for a week. You know, it was that sort of devastating for me and my teammates as well that, you, you know, you took defeat harshly. So there was some loads of low points. And when, you, when you're growing up and, you know, you're, you're playing for your local team, then playing for your town, and then you play for your country at the lower level, and then you play for Man United. Everything's rosy, and you never really have <laughs> that bit disappointment. And then all of a sudden, you know, you pick up the paper, and you get a five out of ten. It's like, whoa, I've never, I've never experienced this before. You know, someone having a pop at you, and then you're walking along the street, and someone says, you know, you were rubbish at the weekend. That they can affect you. Whereas if someone you walk in, you scored a hat trick at the week, I never actually scored a hat trick. But if you scored a couple of goals <laughs> or a winning goal, and someone says, "Well done Saturday, it's great, it's brilliant," it only lasts five minutes. If someone says you were rubbish, it lasts a lot longer. So disappointment just lingered with me a lot more. You, you know, you've just read out the list of things that I won, but I remember the things that you know, the missed cup finals, the missed chances, um, not winning the league, much more vividly than than I do when when I won stuff. But Never really enjoyed games. Yeah, I mean, that's a bit of an over-exaggeration. It was more, what What do you miss from football? Well, yeah. I miss training. Yeah. Do you miss the games? Not really, no, because you, you're in a bubble. You're preparing yourself. Monday, game Saturday, you're preparing yourself all week. That concentration is to peak on that Saturday. And then there's massive pressure. Now, I wasn't someone who got nervous particularly, but it was... It's hard to say. It's your job. It's your job to go yeah. out and, and win that game. But how did it manifest itself, the pressure? I mean, you know, is it is it all around you as the big game comes up that you're feeling it pushing down on your shoulders? You're constantly thinking about it. I mean, how does it manifest itself? Um, yeah, you, you are thinking about it because you're preparing that week. I was one who didn't want to necessarily use up nervous energy. So I was pretty relaxed in the lead up to a game, but still. You're in front of 70-odd thousand people watching at home. Um, you're open to criticism. So it is pressure. So when I say, you know, I didn't really enjoy the games or I get asked, what do you miss? Do you miss it? I don't miss the games necessarily. I miss training. I miss going in, playing football every day, having a laugh with your mates. Of course, the end of a game when you've won something or you've won, won the league or you've won a trophy, it's amazing. You know, I'm not saying it wasn't. It is ama amazing. But the games, yeah, you're, you're under pressure. So I don't miss that sort of pressure that you put yourself under. Leading that then, Ryan, um, because you enjoyed the camaraderie so much in the training and let's be honest, your career lasted a lot longer than most. Do you feel that that made your transition out of being a player that more, more, that more difficult, especially having been at the same club for so long? You know, do you think that was a contribution to the struggle in trying to transition, not being a, an active professional player anymore? Um, well, there's lots of challenges for a player when they, when they do finish because, you know, ever since you left school, you're used to structure for a start, you're used to going in, having your breakfast, training, going home, and also how it makes you feel when you exercise. You know, it makes you feel good, it makes you feel better. So then to stop that, that structure, that not exercising anymore, um, it's gonna, that, that on its own is going to have an effect. So whether me being at one club... I'm not too sure because I think it works both ways. I worked under, as far as I'm concerned, the greatest manager yeah. in the world. So yeah. I wouldn't change a thing. And I, 
you know, played for the best club in the world. So I wouldn't have changed the thing. But obviously, if you played at different clubs, you played under different managers, you've moved countries, you've experienced different cultures, then that's different facets to sort of potentially your management or your coaching style that, that you can use in the future. Yeah. But I guess, you know, when you've when you've been at a club for well over a quarter of a century and those various rules I outlined, that first day or that that last day of leaving knowing you're not going to be going back in and then getting up when everybody else is going in and you're not part of it, that must be one hell of an adjustment, isn't it, right? Well, I didn't have that adjustment because as soon as I finished, I went straight into coaching under Louis. Yeah. So I was still going to the same. But I was referring to 16 when obviously he'd had the assistant manager's role and then he decided to, to break away from the club. So you're not traveling yeah. to the facility no, at all. After breaking up from the club, you know, I've, I've spoke about it before. That's the only time that I've ever... No, sorry. I seen a psychologist, sports psychologist, once because I kept getting hamstring injuries. Yeah. So that was mid to late twenties that I first seen him. Um, whether he helped or not, I'm not too sure. He was great. Um, Give me some different exercises to do and stuff. Uh, more in preparation for games and training. Um, but then when I was when I left United, that was when the coaching role. That is when I went to see uh, the same person. And um, yeah, he just give me just, you know, I talked about the structure, how to fill your day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you go from school to doing the same thing for, for so long. And again, that exercise, even when I was assistant, I used to go in the gym early in the morning and exercise. So yeah, it was just, I was looking for some sort of help. How do I get on with my everyday life, but not go into the same place that I've been going for the last 20, over 25 years. So for the benefit of those other athletes, sports people, can you give us a few pointers of things that you, you sort of applied to life when, you know, when the curtain comes down? Well, it was a little, for example, a little thing. So, you know, I, I like to exercise. I wanted to keep exercising. So I spoke about that to, to, um, to him. And he just said, okay, right. So um, where are you going to go? Wh which gym are you going to go to? Uh, I don't know. I've never been to a gym. Yeah, <laughs> I've never needed yeah. to. Okay, well, why don't you go to a gym that's 20, 25 minutes away? Not on your doorstep. Why? Well, okay, 25 minutes there. Then you exercise. How long do you exercise for? Mm. About an hour. Okay, an hour. Then maybe you have a coffee or a bite to eat afterwards. Half an hour back. Before you know it, it's one o'clock. So that was the same as what I was doing as a, as a footballer, not yeah. as a coach. But all of a sudden, I thought, okay, now it's not the sort of um, answer, but it was a little thing that I'd never thought. It was quite simple. Rather than going to a gym near me, two minutes to get there, five minutes to get there, come back, you know, you're still 11 o'clock. It was just that little hour that he gave me. It wasn't so good for my mileage in my car, but <laughs> it was something that just, you know, was quite simple, and I did that. I think... Uh, the thing that we, we've sort of um, misinterpreted is a lot of this preparation is subliminal stuff. So it's either a mindset shift around, okay, what does good look like for me now? What, what do I do need to do to fill, fulfill my time? Or even, as you've mentioned there, it's that hit of gratification, that dopamine release that you get from training that we need to replicate. And it's aligning your new motivations, your new landscape to allow you to get a little piece of all of those things. Now, how they, how they represent themselves is varied. Like Ryan liked working out, so he would go to the gym. For me, it was different. I couldn't do it because of my injuries. So I then looked at studying. 
everyone's different, but we just, I feel like the, the point is, is, again, is is about through preventative action, through developing people while they're still active, you don't have to have those points of clarity where you're trying to speak to someone and, and get, okay, what does good look like for me? If you can realise that for yourself, that's a really powerful statement for, the, for, for players. And we're not a million miles away. And Mark, as you know, that's what we're trying to provide. That's why we speak to people like Ryan, Tanny Gray-Thompson, people that have worked at various levels, that have had various challenges, but it all means the same. It's about your personal criteria for happiness. And if it's being a coach, that's great. If it's being a painter, that's just as good. But as long as you understand your own personal value in that situation, that's when that win comes. Yeah. Does, does your playing career still define you now or do you ever park it? As you go about your everyday business, are you consciously aware of it do you still think it still defines you or do you think you've moved on to your current role well no i mean i'm you know i'm not complaining about this but you know you're often stopped by fans united fans football fans you know i was at villa park that night it was the best night of my life so you you're constantly reminded it's not a bad thing about things that you did when you was a footballer so you never get away from that um but yeah, for me, it's about concentrating on being coach for Wales. Now, as far as I'm concerned, my, my playing career is gone. I can enjoy it. Um, I never, it seems harsh that I'm saying I didn't enjoy it, but I would never look back at games or look back at goals yeah. or look back at games. If ever I was still playing and there was a goal on a mine, I would turn it off. I wouldn't really watch it. Now, my kids have grown up. I can enjoy it. You know, I can watch games or stuff if it's on the TV, old games or goals. I can enjoy it a lot more than when I did when I was playing. So, yeah, I'm comfortable with that, enjoying my career, but also looking forward, because I've always done that. I've always looked forward rather than looking back in whatever I'm doing, you know, whatever career I'm in. Right, Joe, you mentioned as well about if you started your, your career now, you'd be better because of the things you know and the stuff you've learned over the years. Yeah. Does that mean that you, you, you're a real supporter around athletes developing themselves holistically while they play and for the benefit of Wales, obviously, but also their, their current day playing career and what their aspirations are. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, you know, I talked about being really professional. Was I professional when I was 18, 19, 20? I, I wasn't as professional as I could be, without a shadow of a doubt. My mates were at college, uh, uni. Um, I would go into town, do a bit of shopping, have a coffee. You know, I wouldn't be resting then when I was yeah. still younger. I could do a... a a lot more if i if i knew what i know now i would have a chef i yeah. would have ice bath at home i would be doing yoga i would you know all these things that you learn as you go along so yeah i think it's about as an athlete now if you're starting out learn from other sports you know i'm a great fan of other sports and and try and it's a short career try and be the best athlete that you can and what I try and do now as a coach, I try and give my players no excuse. Yeah. So training's organized, training's challenging, um, the best facilities, um, the food, make sure that ev everything's perfect so they don't have an They can't turn around and go, well, we lost because of this, lost because of that. That's my job now because of things that I've learned. Give the players no excuse to, to not perform. I mean, you... Obviously, you worked under the, the great man. You would see him evolve over time, presumably. Or could he still hand out the hair dry right at the end just like he did at the start? You're he, smiling. He What's could, it was just less. <laughs> no, I mean, I used to say to players, uh, 
you know, when I was coming towards the end, you know, when the manager did go mad on the odd occasion, I'd go, that's nothing. That's nothing yeah. to 20 years ago. Nothing at all. And they go, oh, he was, he's crazy. I say, no, that's nothing. Because when he was younger, literally, yeah. um, you've probably seen in many dressing rooms, he wanted to fight the players, you know. He was that much of a winner. And there was such a winning mentality in that dressing room. You know, you'd see things that you would never see now. Never. And um, But that's just like a player. You mature. Um, he was still the same winner, but he did it in a different way. Quest for learning as well. Quest for development. Quest for playing, uh, for, for putting himself with new technology, yeah. young I mean, people that would reinvigorate his style. Yeah, I mean, people say, you know, what, made Sir Alex a great there's lots of things obviously his winning mentality his tactical analysis but uh, his, uh, the way that he dealt with players one on one but without a shadow of a doubt the way that he evolved was a huge reason why he was so successful when he started out there was you go out to training there was him and a coach mm. at the end sometimes more staff than players you know sports scientists you'd have to have a doctor out there you'd have to have a physio out there um, you know, you'd have two or three coaches. Um, you know, it was it was completely different environment, and he evolved with that. He in, embraced sports scientists. He embraced um, all the gym work that you needed needed to do, and um, yeah, that was definitely why he become so successful for for such a long time. He evolved with technology and the way that football went. You know, with a hairdryer, if he'd absolutely handed one out. Would a player then be left to handle themselves and build themselves up? Or if they were somebody that perhaps couldn't take it as well, would he would he then adjust in the future and hand out a bit less of it or drag them during the week for a quiet chat because he could see it hadn't had the effect it might have had, say, on you? Because I know you were motivated by it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the, the thing about Sir Alex, when he did go crazy at someone, the next day it was forgotten. The next day it was forgotten. Now, the player might not have forgotten. <laughs> Probably didn't, but Sir Alex had forgotten. He would treat you normally the next day. Um, and that was great because you wanted it out in the, the open and then that was it. Now, as a teammate, it depended on the individual. You know, someone like Scholes, you just left him to it. Um, other players, you needed to say, you know, because you'd been there, just like I had. I remember being on the back of the coach when I was younger, London before we got trains or, or flew on the back of the coach just um, had the hairdryer treatment off and you know Brian Robson Brian McClare Steve Bruce would be coming up to me going okay don't listen to him doesn't know what he's talking about you know just just to help me get over it because you, you know you're 17, 18, 19 mm. you're young you think it's the end of the world I'm never going to play for United again the way he's just shouted <laughs> at me so you have to see about the individual and as an experienced teammate help younger players out or players who aren't used to it and, um, yeah, help them recover. Do you think there's any place for that in this day and age? I mean, it's impossible to criticise Sir Alex Ferguson because of what he achieved and Look, it was a backbone of what he did. We've spoken about it before. You know, things were as they were back then. Um, you know, when you join clubs, you'd have your your celebratory sing-song in front of the first yeah. team. They'd be throwing coat hangers at you and all sorts. And, you know, it was what happened then. Is it excusable? Of course it's not, but it was a situation that you found yourselves in. And I think, you know, this has been a really good point around being proactive and trying to install retrospect through other people's experiences rather than having to be 
reactive to a bad state. So Sir Alex, for example, instead of playing in a game, something going wrong, gets good people around him because they've had that experience. He's already installing retrospect into his surroundings. Ryan's doing it with his team at the moment. There's no point of failure because I'm giving you the very best. And it's the same in when we're trying to prepare people in sport. If we can install as much information as possible so they become conscious decision makers, conscious thinkers, because that's what you're trying to develop, people to think on their own feet without complication, then then we know that we're going to be onto a good thing. And I think we, we, we implore those those factors into sport and we just need to stretch them out slightly to to allow people to to survive in and out of the game. Um, because as Ryan said, it's only when you when you retire you look back and you can watch the matches and my daughters are now getting a bit older and they want to see what daddy used to do. Seems like a million miles away to me now, but um to allow people to be positive and and have that level of humility but still be proud, I think is is a really good position for us to find. I mean in dealing with your squad now, such a range of personalities of experience of ability levels and things have you have you had to work on that side of yourself in terms of how to motivate people how to have a natural empathy with a very different set of individuals that make up your squads um well yeah just to back up the point that um i just made you know i want them to come into an international environment and be not if better than their clubs the facilities and the environment the same you know um but yeah, of course, you've got Gareth Bale at Real Madrid and you've got other players playing in Championship League One. Um, I'm lucky because I've got a group of players who are fantastic off the pitch. We've got great team spirit um, and try and create a great environment away from training. Um, so a, a lot of the older players, experienced players, have done that for me, done my job for me. Um, so, yeah, but it is a juggling act because the, the, the players are different. But what I didn't have at international level was the same facilities that I had at United. Again, going back to what I said before, I don't want to give players excuses whether they are coming from a League One team or they're coming from Real Madrid. You did obviously have that very brief spell as caretaker manager of United. And I know you said it was quite a, well, just... Well, is overwhelming the wrong word? But it was just such a huge experience. It kind of like nothing you'd felt as a player looking after the mighty club. No, because you've spent your whole life looking after yourself. And then all of a sudden, not only looking after players, you're looking after the squad, you're looking after the, um, you're looking after your staff, sorry, um, players around the, uh, people around the training ground, fans, media. It's completely different, completely different mindset. So you have to think about everything and try, um, try and um, yeah, learn quickly on your feet as much as you can. And I would always encourage players to do your, your badges and um, get as much coaching experience as you can while you're playing. Yeah. Prepare yourself as best you can, but also nothing beats experience as well. So um, the more times you do it, the better you become, just like when you was a player. And that experience of walking out at Old Trafford, knowing you had to manage the team and things. I mean, I think it was completely dominated, wasn't it? Sleepless nights you never used to have as a player, all the rest of it. Yeah, and I was still a player. You know, I was still a player in the dressing room. So it was a bit different from me because I was having to drop teammates, <laughs> not play teammates. So, which, to be fair, I had no problem with uh, because as a player, I was already sort of, because I was yeah, so old as a player... I was already doing that job anyway, you know, coaching in the dressing room, 
helping players as much as I can. If they needed to kick up the backside, I would do that. So, it, But, of course, it is different when you're manager and you've got to make them big decisions. I mean, you, you know, we, it, it's easy to think of sports people transitioning Olympians or whatever when they haven't made an awful lot of money. But when you've had people that have performed at the very top of sport and been rewarded well, is that a whole new category? In, in theory, it is. But um, if you actually look at the statistics, they people still face the same struggles irrespective of how much money you've earned or what you get exposed to because when you're not playing, you're not playing full stop. Um, that Again, it's a it's a, a societal issue, I would say. I think expectation from people outside of, of a circle presume that because you've got a couple of bob, you've got a nice house, everything looks great from the outside in, um, you still face the same challenges. You lose your state of identity because you're no longer the player. Um, you worry about will people still see me as the same person because... I'm not out competing on the weekend. Um, can, I, can I stop you there, Seth? Did you feel those things he's just said? Losing losing identity, people seeing you differently? Um, yeah, I mean, it is different because you're used to, like it or not, you're used to the adulation. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it, it goes. And you. it's very hard to prepare for that because you, especially if you've been in the team as a young player from an early age. Um, so it is very difficult and... Um, yeah, it's not easy to combat because you used to, for how many years, um, people patting you on the back, you know, doing everything for you, looking after you, everything, and then all of a sudden, um, you're out there on your own, and you're still at a young age. You know, I was yeah. four, 40, I'm still <laughs> at a young age for when I finished playing, but if you finish like 32, 33, some people are starting out careers then, yeah. not finishing careers, yeah. so you've still got a, a at least half, hopefully two and a half times, if not three times your life left to go. Or you still add a third of your life, you know, so. Yeah. But, and the money side is irrelevant. It, it's it's irrelevant. And people might say, oh, you got all the money. It doesn't really matter. You can do this. You can go on nice holidays. Well, yeah. hold on. Like, Wait a second, Ryan. Because you, you uh, the one thing money would buy you might be, you would think choices that if a, if somebody came out of the game and hadn't made their money, then they would have but different Mark, considerations. the problem is, it's all well and good if you know what your choices are and what you, you want know, those no, choices I agree. to be. I was, you know? Yeah, I agree. I, think, I was coming to that. Yeah. But I just meant there will be some that come out of the game, haven't made their money and therefore finish football on a Friday and have to start doing something on Monday because the mortgage is to pay. So that's the only point. Yeah. I'm not, no, I'm not, I, I didn't yeah. mean relevant as in money. I meant the feeling. Yeah, the feeling. Yeah. 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 You still have the same feeling. Yeah. doesn't matter how much money you got in the bank. Yeah. Because that, that's what we spoke about, haven't we? It's, it's, it's that misconception and... When you're in sport, you're given so much interpretation of what you should look like, how you should feel, what you should do. But when when you've been successful, you feel like you feel like you don't deserve that help because everybody thinks that you you should be okay, and that's that's quite a dangerous element for people to find themselves in. And it doesn't matter if we speak to people that have won gold medals in the Olympics or like Ryan have had illustrious careers. Your mindset is your mindset, and unless we help people realign that or contribute to their own personal development outside of sport it's always going to be a scary place and you know you look at the people we've had on the podcast from louis sahar we've had tony who obviously tony strider who deals with players on all different levels tanny gray thompson matthew pinson they all say the same thing when you're looking down that black hole of uncertainty it's scary and so we just need to give everybody the same support no matter the level they they played at to make sure that they have the best possible life in and out of sport as i've said can you relate to a lot of these things that, that Scott is saying? 
a lot of the, the sort of triggers they, 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 and you must talk to the rest of the class of 92 and they've all gone through similar experiences, I'm guessing. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the problem. We probably don't talk about that sort of stuff because you've been mates, you don't really <laughs> share experiences like that. You know, I wouldn't have this conversation with my, <laughs> my I wouldn't, no, with, no. with my teammates. Yeah. So you just, you just wouldn't. It's just, there's too many people who just, I'll sort it out themselves and you, you, you can't sort it out yourselves. You, you, you do need help um, because of all the reasons I've just give. Exercise is huge. The feeling that it gives you. And listen, I'm not saying to ex-sportsmen, ex-footballers that when you finish, you have to exercise. Some people, and I can understand, I've been exercising, I've been doing the same thing, I've been eating well. Yeah. I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. Uh, so I understand that fully. Um, but no, everyone, everyone's different. And, you know, just go back to what I said about money is ir irrelevant. I'm not saying that, you know, people you say have obviously finished careers and haven't made the money that perhaps that I've made. <laughs> yeah, of course. I'm sure they would probably want more money, but I'm saying that the same feeling yeah. of um, what you've gone through with the adulation, the going out and you're scoring a goal, that is still the same feeling no matter what you've made in the game. That that suddenly stops, and it's it's difficult to replicate. In fact, it's impossible to replicate unless you probably go into a top manager's job or a manager's job. There is still going to be that sense of, I guess, emptiness. Um, yeah, at times. I mean, I'm 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 lucky because I I finished playing football, went straight into. Um, assistant coach then um, I got a role as uh, in Vietnam uh, as an uh, um, helping out with an academy there but also you know the pressure that you put yourself under I've never watched my son play football because I've I'd played football at the weekend then as a um, assistant coach you're in Saturday Sunday so when I when I did finish it wasn't all bad I was able to watch my, my son play football, watch my daughter play lacrosse, go skiing, all these <laughs> sort of stuff that you could never do as a footballer. So, and I traveled the world a little bit at times when I couldn't, you know, at Christmas, you go away for a couple of days at Christmas, all these things that I was unable to do. So I'm not saying it's all, it was all bad. It's not because I'm lucky in the respect that I had plenty of opportunities and, and took them as well as other stuff outside of football. But, um, yeah, it is very hard when you're used to people patting you on your back and you're going in and you've got that structure and then all of a sudden it stops. It's very difficult to sort of combat and, um, yeah. You, sh you should just get your own DVD out and watch all your goals back and get you that, <laughs> that buzz and stuff like that. What piece of advice would you would Ryan Giggs now give young Ryan Giggs? Um, I think you, you need to prepare... Um, Yourself uh, after the game, I think you've touched on it a lot sooner than I did. Um, I think what find out what works for you because now, without a shadow of a doubt, there's so many opportunities for um, footballers, whether it's media, whether it's coaching, um, than probably 20, 30 years ago. Um, and also do things like I just said that you couldn't do 
as a footballer when when you do finish you know go and try and enjoy yourself do things that you couldn't do when you was a footballer and the, you know you're, you're obviously into club ownership now with Salford City you've got the various enterprises you're part of the university setup as well the class yeah. 92 set up that that's intimating a skill set of things that have been taken from sport and a skill set that's been able to go elsewhere. I mean, you know, Gary Neville, for example, has got a hell of an entrepreneurial set of logistics there, hasn't he? he? He's involved in all sorts. There must be stuff you've been able to take from sport you've been able to transfer over to everyday life. Yeah, of course, and Gary's a prime example. Um, you know, you, you watch Gary, um, obviously, early days. He He used to commentate on... MUTV on Youth Cup games. You hear him then and you hear him now and it's obviously a massive difference. Mm -hmm. But look at him now, he's amazing as far as I'm concerned. He's yeah. at the top when it comes to punditry, when it comes to commentating. But he started in the club's channel when all the other players had gone home. Um, you know, we might have a game on the Saturday, the Youth Cup games on a on a Thursday, and he's going there and learning his trade before he's even finished. I mean, that is a that's a brilliant example. Um, and probably ask him when he was nineteen, twenty, you're going to be, you know, top pundit. You're going to be a cold commentator. You go, no, no chance. I'm never going to do that. But he learned um, while he was still playing. So that he, you know, he's a he's a big example. Obviously, he does other things as well. Um, but. You listen to if you were to listen to his MUTV commentary <laughs> now compared to his, you know, Super Sunday commentary, yeah. it's chalk and cheese. Obviously, that just shows that you can't cheat preparation, right? And it's the same in the game. You can't you can't have bad practice during the week and expect to play well on the weekend. And I think we just need to install that in in athletes now to say, look, you can't you can't cheat the system. In effect, you can't retire and expect to thrive. If you do, don't get me wrong, but you can also guarantee you that people will look at Gary and not know that about him. And just think, oh, he played for Manchester United. That's why he's got the gig. No, he's put the yards in. And so it's just, it's, it's a good, I think, a good directive for people to see that you have to work hard and that things don't just happen. Um, and it goes back to what you've said. Preparation is key. The earlier you start, the better your future will be. Did I think I'll be sitting here doing a podcast with the two of you? Absolutely not. Injury forced that to happen. But it's been a really hard 10 years of, of dialogue and education to make sure I can. And can I just say I'd contradict myself there because I would be sat at home watching football and there'd be a current player being a pundit and I'd be going, he should be at home resting. <laughs> so I'm going to contradict myself here. I'd be going, what's he doing? He's still playing. He should be at home resting, prepared. He doesn't need to do that. So I'm actually contradicting what I've just said because, but I would encourage players, radio, there's loads of now ex-players who do to do radio you know low every, most clubs have got um, their own channels now um, well a lot of teams have got their own channel you know, go along go and practice whether it's behind the scenes whether it's commentating try it or, or low maintenance business ventures if you're in a position to do I'm not suggesting serving behind the bar in your own restaurant but you know get involved in a few bits and pieces just to have that extra stimulus do you think yeah and also there's there's, there's stuff now I, I keep talking about that wouldn't have been available when i was you can do online pt courses you know if i think it's like eight twelve twelve weeks whatever it is mm. it's nothing if you sat at home every afternoon as a player do a pt online that's just an example 
Or even better, you could do our program on your mobile. Oh, <laughs> but I know. I've, had, he I've had to, to sneak get it, it in, in, didn't he? But that's, that's, the plug in at I've the just queued you up there. Yeah, I love that. That's right. Um, but that's that's the reality to it. We, we have to meet the current market, right? The current climate is what it is. As Ryan said, he's contradicting himself, but that's that's a mindset shift, isn't it? Because it was installed in you that you should be at home resting. Yeah. You can't just change the way you think. It, again, it's, it's education, it's preparation. So he's saying it with one hand and then he's nudging himself with the other to say, actually, it's not quite right. But we can do things that don't impede in the everyday life of an athlete. As, as, as again, with, with technology now, it's so easy to make sure that you can develop yourself beyond what you currently do. Um, we need to make it as easy as possible so that it doesn't conflict with what the coach or the manager expects of you, but it still allows you to develop yourself. Because again, it's only yourself and those around you that have to pay the price if you don't. It could be argued that if you step away from the cold face, just have something running concurrent to your sport, it might give you a clearer head when you go back to your sport. You know, you know if, we're, if we're pressed tight with our sport all the time, presumably we've got a very singular mindset, do a few other little bits and pieces, it might just refresh you going back into it. Yeah, I mean, I've had a few of the Welsh players come in and um, watch how we prepare for training and coming out going, I didn't know you had to do all that. You know, I didn't know it took that much preparation. So you're right. If these players see the other side, then it gives them maybe a, a more appreciation. Actually, yeah, I fancy a bit of that. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think you're right. We we work with players as well that are currently still active, and they've come to work with us or done different scenarios in in our delivery. And every single one of them has said they've had the best season possible. Now, I'm not saying it's us in particular. But I think if you're diminishing that level of uncertainty about what the life looks like outside of that front door, it is naturally going to bring a better clarity. And as Ryan said, the lads knowing what it means to to get training sessions up and running, it's either going to improve their performance for you because they know how much effort you put in, or it's going to give them inspiration for the future. You speak to boys, they now have their, their books of training schedules that they've had from over the years. That's from working with other people and expanding their mindset. Because if you did training sessions based upon only what you know or you think, you're going to be so limited. Um, and so just, just stretching that out will really benefit everyone, in, including including the managers, the coaches. And recently from a study, we've had 97% of coaches that have said that they want to do development while they coach to enhance what they can offer their players. So we know that you know coaches of this generation want to do more. They want the players to do more. But of course, as always, we need to create that environment of safety to make sure that it is applicable and it doesn't, doesn't harm what the, the bigger, wider aspirations are, which is the performance on the pitch or the track. And without knowing it, players have already got a massive skill set, you know, within discipline, without, you know, timekeeping, you know, making sure that they're not late, making sure that um, they don't leave a mess in the dressing room. Um, just basic things, really. Picking up your bottles after training. These are all things that are there. You just have to get them out, which can be used in other aspects of life and have been witness to good and bad leadership and have been part of teamship you know team yeah. team spirit and have seen strategy and tactics in action it's, yeah. it's a hell of a transfer yeah. world skill set yeah took knocks took adulation um learn from the mistakes there's so many um so much there's so much in there um that it's yeah, how it's to frame it isn't yeah, it it's it how is, to yeah. frame it giving people the tools to be able to share that that's, I think that's the struggle of some lads. Isn't it? They'd rather say nothing than share what they think in case they get it wrong. Whereas we need to make it a forum of safety, really. So you can say things, get it wrong, that's fine. But have a bit of a framework 
to work from, I think, is, is the important part. What a brilliant place to finish. Make sure before we go that Scott settles his barbell with his downstairs. <laughs> All right. Really good to see you. Thanks for doing Thank that. You. Brilliant. Thanks no to problem. you, Scott. That's it for this special episode of Blood, Sweat and Fears. Thanks to Scott and Ryan and thanks to you for listening. Many more big names to come from a huge range of athletes, sports people and indeed sports in future episodes. For more information about the programme, then visit our website. That's ey.com forward slash UK forward slash personal performance programme. This podcast and future Future podcasts in the Blood, Sweat and Fears series are on iTunes and via the EY website by visiting ey.com forward slash UK forward slash PAS forward slash podcast. I'm Mark Clement brought to you by EY, building a better working world. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of Blood, Sweat and Fears, the ultimate podcast with a focus on athlete experiences, readiness and preparation for life in and out of sport. Goodbye. Goodbye.